Okay, and the story begins. Welcome. Chapter 3 of Tanya, page 55. And we're about to explore the soul in greater detail. At the end of chapter 1, we introduce the novelty that we don't just have impulses pulling us in either direction, but we actually have souls, personalities, dual personalities within us. We describe the first soul, the divine soul. We're not going to describe the animal soul yet. We're going to get back to that later. But we're going to take some time throughout the next several chapters and describe the divine soul. In chapter 2, we said the divine soul is a piece of God, part and parcel of, with Him. The second half of chapter 2, we said, although there are differences among souls, not all souls are the same, are equal in terms of their level, they all come from the same source, just like siblings. Siblings are all going to have different talents, different abilities, different capabilities, but they're all from the same parents. They're all from the same source. Every soul is from the same source, but they're different. And just like the toenail, it's just as part of your... The Jewish people are like one body, one unit, as we said. And the foot, the toenail, the heart, all of these get their energy from the brain, which all came from the father. Similarly, the Jewish leaders, which are like the brains, give their vitality to the rest of the body, to the rest of the Jewish people. What about identical twins? Now, obviously, they each have a soul, but they are more alike than the two, than different. It's a good question. I, I mean, look, everybody's going to have their personality. Every right. soul is different because your soul is your personality. Every personality is mm -hmm. different. Um, good morning. Hi. So I don't know. I mean, they have different souls. Yeah, they do. But, uh, they have to have different souls. Yeah. It's um, an interesting question, though. <laughs> so the question is, though, in, in this chapter, chapter three, now we're going to describe the soul in greater details. What is a soul? We touched upon this the past few weeks. A soul means, let's take a look on page 57. There are two components of a soul, two things that make up a soul. And Anyone remember? Silent. Two things um, that make up a soul. Your thoughts, your... Your inclinations? Your soul ha is inclined, but that would be more, um, that is an expression of your soul, but the soul itself is, the answer is on 57 in the middle. The human, sorry, not in the middle, the third paragraph on 57. Just as God has two types of spheros, serving his inner self and external world. Don't ask what that means yet. Similarly, <laughs> This is the key over here in the bowl. The human soul is divided into two, intellect and emotions. The soul is made up of two parts, how I think, how I feel. Two ways of experiencing life. Yeah, yeah, oh, sorry. Um, it, yeah, you're welcome. The soul is divided into two parts, how I think, how I feel. Now, in the context of Tanya, that's what the soul means. When you read about the soul in other places in Jewish literature, and especially Hasidic literature, the soul might have a different meaning. In many other places, um, 
in other works of the Altar Rebbe, the Altar of the Tanya, he says, now what I wrote in Tanya, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt, because when we say the soul is how you think and how you feel, that's, that's a relative term. Relative to your behavior, your thoughts and feelings are you, right? But relative to your essence, who you really are, you're not how you think and how you feel, that those are also behaviors, technically. So there's a deeper part of you. And that's the real essence of the soul, and that's not what we're getting into yet at this point. But for our purpose in Tanya, the, the soul means how I think, how I feel. There are three components of how I think, of my intellect. As he says in the Hebrew, the seichel. There are three components. And the acronym for these three components, can anyone guess? Chabad. Chabad. Chabad is an oh. acronym, and Chabad is an acronym. Chachma, let's take a look on the middle paragraph on page 57. The human intellect, like the divine, contains three things. Chachma, which literally means wisdom. Here he translates it as inquiry. A great translation. We'll discuss more about that soon. Bina, cognition, understanding. Da'as, da'at which literally means knowledge, or as he translates it over here, recognition. Three parts to the intellect, the Chabad, an acronym for Chachma, wisdom, or inquiry, Bina, understanding, Da'at, knowledge, or recognition. Was it the Alta Rebbe that named this Hasidic movement Chabad? Yeah, exactly, and this is exactly why. Okay. Because the Alta Rebbe's whole approach to inspiration was intellectual. In other words, let's intellectually internalize and not just have, um, you know, get excited. Not that getting excited is a bad thing, but if I just get excited without any intellectual grounding, it's not really bound to last because it's not part of me. Whereas when I understand what I'm doing, when my, my soul is meaningful to me in an intellectual way, in a, in a, in a um, comprehensive way, if you will, it's a lot more meaningful than just being inspired and knowing that I feel something I don't know what it is. Hmm. Then there's the emotions. What are the emotions? There are seven emotive traits. He doesn't get into them here. He, gets to, he only mentions two of them. And the emotions are love of God and trepidation, reverence of Him, love and fear, or the truth is Fear is not a good translation. Yira. What does Yira mean? It's more... Respect. Respect, reverence, awe. The goal is not necessarily to be afraid of God. You know, a lightning bolt's going to come down. And when I was at the... When I was in Florida several years ago, I was flying out. And Florida, especially in the summer, always rains and there's always lightning. And unfortunately, our flight was delayed mm -hmm. because of the... Um, one of the guys on the ground there, with the controller guys got struck by a bolt of lightning. No oh my. Horrible thing. But one of the pilots <laughs> makes a joke. He says, oh, he must have been a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is fear. Our goal is not to be a fear, afraid of God. He's going to do something to me if I don't. It's respect. It's reverence. Yira means reverence. And then there's love. These are, the, 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 these are what make up our soul. Now, it's the divine soul 
So my understanding is going to be, and my cognition, my perspective is going to be in the context of my relationship with God. My feelings are going to be in my context of my relationship with God. But if it were my animal soul's thoughts and feelings, it wouldn't be love and fear of God or love and reverence for God. It would be passion for more self-centered activities. It would be fear of, who knows, whatever it is, whatever our animal souls like to be, worry about. <laughs> in other words, these emotions, these feelings, these general traits will play differently depending on which soul is facilitating them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In other words, when we say the soul ha is the way you think and the way you feel, the way you think in a divine way, the way you feel on the divine way, that's because we're talking about the divine soul, but there's the animal soul as well and it has its own way of thinking and feeling. And the more we understand this, the more it will be clear the more, the more clarity we'll get when we understand the inner struggle, what we're battling with here, within ourselves. So you could say that the animalistic soul is, will have last and it, it more exactly. love for exactly. God and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so the animal soul might experience jealousy, the divine soul might experience aspiration. Yeah, very nice. Wanting to look up to somebody mm -hmm wanting to grow um, the, the animal soul might experience some sort of inappropriate fear or reverence respecting or idolizing um, celebrities for example you know those are my idols and that's whereas the divine soul will idolize if you will God not idolizing God forbid but yeah. revere God how do you tame the animal soul to, to turn it, you know, in certain aspects, you know, to turn it more into a divine soul feeling? And I'm just, I'm talking about the one, the jealousy, when, you know, just to turn it into, what was it, admire, respect? Or, yeah, or aspiration. Yeah, just, I don't know, maybe that's a question for a therapist, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think step number one is recognizing it. Recognizing and, and, and defining where these feelings are coming from. In other words, before trying to turn it around, let's first try to somehow get, a, get, a, get, a, get self-control. Mm -hmm. so, and and for, let's first reject the feeling, then we could and not let it take us over, then we, could worry, then we could worry about how to turn it around. I think step number one is recognizing. Yeah. We feel things. Let's be aware of our feelings. Be emotionally aware. Aware of our emotions. Emotional intelligence, which we'll talk more about soon. The way, so the, the, the way it works, and we're going to get into the idea of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Now look, Tanya is not, the Altarebo is not a therapist, and that's not the goal, but a lot of concepts that modern psychology has uh, developed in recent years are right in here, which I find fascinating. Wow. Okay. And look what he says. Two components of the soul, the way I think, the way I feel. These are not two independent components. They actually go hand in hand. How I feel is developed based on how I think. And this is what he says. Um, the last bold paragraph on the bottom of 59. Chachma, 
bottom, oh, sorry, not 59, my mistake, 57, <laughs> sorry. The last bold paragraph on 57, which is the fourth to last regular paragraph, Chachma, Bina, and Da'as, inquiry, which we'll define what that means soon, my understanding, my knowledge, my intellectual capabilities are all called mothers. Why are they called mothers? Because they give birth, right? They're the source of the emotions. And emotions are the children of intellect. How I feel is developed based on what I think about. Exactly, CBT. It's like it was Jewish, the guy. It, what, what's <laughs> incredible is it pre. So the concept of, pre, of CBT predates whoever developed it recently. It actually predates the Tanya. The Alter Rebbe didn't make this up. He actually quotes it from the Zohar. The Zohar was one of the foundational books of Kabbalah, authored in around the same generation as the Mishnah. And let, let, he quotes it in chapter 12. Let's jump to page 143. Uh, the middle paragraph, which is bold, the first bold paragraph. Since, in, inherently, and in its natural capacity, the brain rules over the heart, as stated in the Zohar. For that is how man is formed at birth. It's natural for our minds to rule our heart, for what we feel to be a product of how we think. So, in, in context of the animal soul, somebody bothers me at work. I have a rough day at work. Okay, don't think about it. Do something else, right? And I'm fine. But then I go home. And I start gossiping and I start telling my spouse how oh, hard a day I had and this person, what this person said to me. And I start elaborating. How am I going to feel afterwards? Bad. Bad again. Oh, or better. I'm going to feel, well, I would have vented, but I'm going to feel fiery. I'm going to feel passionate. I'm going to feel angry. Yes, yes. Sure. Because the more I elaborated on it in my mind, yeah. I've developed these feelings in my heart. How I think is, now conversely, if I were to think about God, if I were to think about something, my relationship with God, my purpose in this world, the mission that he has for me, his vastness, his greatness, I would be able to appreciate him emotionally. No, it's a lot harder with God because I could see the person bothering me at work. I can't see God. So there is a little bit more faith involved. So it's going to be harder to develop those feelings, but the same principle applies. The more I think, the more I feel. So then is it best then you would not come home and elaborate and get yourself all worked up again? Or would you just have dealt with it? And it would, it would be best not to think about it. Now, on the other hand, if you don't deal with it, you don't want to bottle up the issues. Right, that's what I was but thinking. Step number one, you don't have to address it at that time. You could address it rationally later mm -hmm. in, a, in an appropriate way. But to just start elaborating on it, it's going to grow those feelings. It has to be in, in, intentional at the appropriate time in the appropriate way. Whereas with the divine soul, you know, we, we get inspired, same idea. Why don't we go talk about it? Talk about our inspiration. Talk about, think about what's inspiring us. What is meaningful to us about God? The more we think about it, the more we feel. The more passionate we'll be. Or at least if we're not passionate about it, when we think about it, at least we'll appreciate it. Conceptually slash emotionally mm -hmm. on some level. There are, so, so let's, 
Let's break this down even more specifically. So the way I think, the way I feel, the way I feel is developed based on how I think, right? In CBT, there's the concept of cognitive distortions. Am I looking at it the right way? Am I understanding it the right way? Let's understand these first two things. There's Chachma, there's Bina. If you look on the top of 59, we're going to jump back and forth here. Chachma and Bina are the father and mother which give birth to love and fear, to love and reverence. Chachma and Bina, wisdom or inquiry and understanding are like the parents. The product is the feelings. We'll see how Da'as, knowledge, comes into this soon. Back to page 58. What is Chachma? Inquiry. Good, good. What is inquiry? What does inquiry mean? In questioning. questioning. I'm questioning. Yeah. What is the implication when I'm inquiring about something? Uh, wanting to know. Wanting to know. Wanting right. to know something that I don't. Right. There's a level of humility there, right? I'm open to something beyond what my mind grasps. And that's why I'm inquiring. That's what Chachma is. If you break down the, words, the word Chachma, if you look in the Hebrew, uh, the first bold paragraph on page 58, the second to last line, it's called by the name Chachma, because Chachma, if you look in the Hebrew or in the English, it'll be more meaningful in the Hebrew if you can. Chachma is a compound of two words, Koachma. Koachma means the potential of what? Infinite potential. A wise person, not a smart person, a wise person. What's the difference between a wise person and a smart person? A smart person knows it all. A wise person is humble. It says in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, in the Mishnah, the Talmud, Eizehu Chacham, who is a wise person? Anyone know the answer? From Pirkei Avot, who is a wise person? Somebody who learns from everybody. Again, the idea of humility, open to something bigger than myself. So now I'm open to this idea of the vastness of God, which I admit I don't understand. I'm open to inquiring about the greatness of God. Chachma, wisdom, inquiry, is kind of like when the light bulb goes on. But the idea is very raw, undeveloped. So the idea is not going to inspire you. It might excite you, but it won't inspire you in a meaningful way because you don't really understand it. So the light bulb goes on. You can't explain that to somebody yet. Why not? Because it's just a raw idea. It was this flash. It was this inquiry. It was just this big open... You can't explain it. There's nothing to explain yet. You have to have bina. You have to have understanding. You have to take that... Chachma that piece of wisdom, you have to chew it over. You have to understand it. You have to make meaning of it. You have to think about it. Now you can explain it to someone else. Now it's meaningful. And that's the idea of Bina, understanding. And as he said on the top of 59, that's the father, that's the mother, which will give birth to feelings. Is the, it Chochmah, man, and Bina, women? Yeah, same, same idea, yeah. And that's why also we spoke earlier about the seed relating to the soul coming from the seed. It comes from Chachma, same idea. The Chachma is the seed, the Bina would be like the mother. The feelings are what are produced.
Do you think a feminist would feel that way? You know, a feminist religious sure. person, you know, that, well, to think about the, well, not that they would study Tanya. Why not? <laughs> well, if they're not Chabad and they're just like from a reform rabbi, let's say, they would not want to think that the, the seed um, creates the intelligence. Don't you think that there would be a dispute over that? And the, but then comes the Bina, which is deeper, and this is ours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's I like mean, I'm just... Bina is on top. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just wonder if that would be... Of course it would be. ...an issue. <laughs> of course it would be, yeah. So King Solomon writes in its book, Song of Songs, Eishet chayel ateret ba'ala, a woman of valor mm-hmm. is the crown of her husband. Even though biologically and spiritually the husband is the giver the woman is the recipient but what she even though she's receiving from the husband she's actually on top of the husband mm. even though biologically and spiritually she's getting right bina is receiving from chachma understanding is taking that wisdom receiving that wisdom and the same applies in a biological relationship not just the spiritual relationship but at the end of the day, that chachma, that flash of wisdom, is useless without bina. Right. A man is useless without his spite. <laughs> In a sense, he's not a, he's not a husband without a wife. Right. A wife is not a... Not that he's useless, everybody has it. But, and, and a <laughs> wife... No, but as a husband, he's not a husband without... without his wife there to receive properly. Right. But if the wife's not receiving properly, she's not... And that's where relational dysfunction can often um, appear and, and, and surface. Where the roles are getting confused. Yeah. And they're getting confused because people get offended. Well, wait a minute, I don't want this role. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. But God made you a certain way. You have a certain mission. Bina has this ability to take Chachma and produce passionate feelings. A woman has the ability to receive from her husband and, and produce something that her husband could never have done on her own. Children. Yeah. It, it's the same idea. Yeah. I, I think getting, a, uh, getting offended, it's just not understanding the mechanics. Right, right. Yeah, it's like they're the head but we're the neck. You know? Right, right, like, right. Yeah. yeah, just you know how it it could possibly have been interpreted. So, so in, yeah. in, in the way King Solomon words it, and the way it's explained in Kabbalah, it's that they're not even the neck; they're the crown. They're way on. They're way on top. Right. Some somebody, it says in the Talmud that a chatan, a groom, is compared to a king. And during the so that at, at a wedding ceremony, whenever you know you're in the groom's presence, whenever when the groom goes to synagogue the next morning, there's certain confessional prayers that are omitted because it's a joyous occasion. The king is here, and, and the groom is supposed to wear Shabbat clothing throughout. So somebody once asked the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, "How long is a groom considered a king for? When does this expire?" So he says, "As long as your wife is the queen, you'll be the king." <laughs> In other words, it's not being, it's not about superiority, who's better, everybody has their function. Right. Right. And yet, 
side question, I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. why, why, why does it say, Baruch Shalosh in the prayer, thank God he didn't create me uh, a woman? Right? So what's, That's a very uh, good it's question. Interesting. Somebody, I think my, one of my kids asked me, and I'm like, I don't know. It's a very good question. There's a, there's a lot of talk on it. There, there's, several, there's several answers. The most basic answer is, it says three things. God didn't make me a Gentile. God didn't make me a servant. God didn't make me a woman. The three things that those have in common, neither of them are obligated in all of the mitzvahs. It's just another uh, a roundabout way of saying thank you for giving me the opportunity to do mitzvahs. Women have, an op- have obligations to do mitzvahs, but not all of them. Women are exempt from all time-bound positive mitzvahs. So, for example, women don't put on tefillin mm-hmm. because it's time-bound. It's not put on at night. It's a positive mitzvah, I do. But women, they do fast on before. So they are, they are bound by the negative mitzvahs, by the don'ts, by the don't eat, right? Don't eat pork or, or, or whatever it is. Don't eat on a fast day. So everybody would be bound by that. So that, that's the most basic answer. Okay. Um, another answer that the commentaries point out is it's again reminding, all it is doing is reminding people of their roles. Remind yourself, you're not a woman, you have to be respectful to them and treat them with respect. Not, you know, don't start hanging out with a woman as if you're one of them. There's a certain level of reverence and respect. That, and we'll talk about re, um, how this, these ideas play out in respect and relationships. When we get to chapter 41. And that's the chapter that Malka recited, isn't it? Yeah, and in, in that chapter it says that the first quality in a relationship with God is not love, but respect. And it's the same with interpersonal relationships. Love is so important for a relationship, but without respect, it's not going to go anywhere because love, this is kind of off topic, but it's interesting. Love is exciting. Res- respect is humbling. Mm-hmm. If I love someone, the relationship can be self-centered. Of course, I'm going to dedicate myself to this relationship. I'm excited. <laughs> But if the relationship is founded, inspired with love, and it should be, but founded on respect, it's not about me. It's totally selfless. And it's the same with the relationship with God. So the commentaries say, thank you, God. It's not that there's anything against women. It's reminding men, know your place. Respect women. You're not a woman. And remind yourself that. That you're not them. You have to re- there has to be that respect. Respecting the differences. Because love is basically cherishing the commonalities, the similarities, and respect is embracing the differences. And that's a difference that has to be embraced. Which, back to what we're saying here, there's a difference between chachma, inquiry, bina, understanding. These two together produce feelings. Let's take a look on page 61. When feelings are produced, so there's going to be two basic feelings. There's going to be passion, which he says here, um, the bottom paragraph, the last paragraph, the bold paragraph, this thirsting. So when, the more I think about God, the more I meditate, and he gives guided meditations, 
this thirsting as a natural result of meditation comes from the element of fire of the divine soul. The divine soul has an element of fire, which is passion. Now, if you remember back from chapter 1, the animal soul also has fire. But it wasn't passion. What was the fire of the animal soul? You remember? Pop quiz. <laughs> Let's take a look back on page 40. We discussed the four elements of the animal soul. There was the fire, the water, the wind, the earth, right? Top uh, middle paragraph, which is bold, on page 40. The, the choleric temperament of anger and arrogance from the negative side of the element of fire and the animal soul. Anger, yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. fire is two things. It's anger because it's always rising upwards. It's also it's arrogance and it's anger. Those two things. Mm. That's in the animal soul, the divine soul. The fire won't be anger and arrogance. What would the fire be? Passion, love, excitement, inspiration. Okay. And then there's water. What does water represent? In the animal soul. Couple paragraphs down. All these English words which I can't pronounce. <laughs> the phleg phlegmatic? What's phlegmatic? Mm, like, doesn't want to do things, I guess. Like, no, I don't know no, that word. It's not like you're really... The, the opposite of having passion. Like, you're so unpassionate, I think. Okay, let's see what he says. The phlegmatic temperament of seeking, I can tell you what it says in the Hebrew, but temperament of seeking physical gratification and pleasures, which stems from the negative side of the elements of water in the animal soul. In the animal soul, the water, the element of water, represents lust. We said everything is comprised of these four elements and everything that in existence, to some level, is comprised of fire, wind, water, earth, some to more degrees of others, some more degrees of others. Um, and that's true spiritually as well. And the spiritual elements represent character traits. Fire would be anger, would be arrogance. Water would be lust. We said wind would be idle chatter, mockery, boasting. And earth would be lethargy, laziness, sadness, depression, negative energy. That weighs us down. Now let's turn back to the divine soul on page 61. Because these two souls kind of parallel one another. As uh, King Solomon says, God created the world in perfect symmetry. And spiritual um, holiness and lack of those two worlds parallel one another. So the divine soul also has these character traits, but they're positive character traits. Mm -hmm. So what was the water in the um, divine soul? So the wa okay, so the water in the divine soul would be... Look back on this um, last paragraph. It's the third or fourth to last line of, on the page, on the bottom of 61. Whereas the element of water and moisture is rooted in the brain, as stated in Yitzchayim section 50, that Chachma is the element of water of the divine soul, the ability to be level-headed, which basically the idea of, of uh, reverence, respect. Fire represents the idea of passion, of love. Water is the idea, respect is a little bit more calm than passion, and that's the idea of water. It's a little bit more cold, a little bit more level-headed. It's more in the mind than it is in the heart. And, and that would be in the divine soul. Make sense? Sure. Now, from being bipolar, we're 
water polar, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't you just have, have the BME and the divine, and now well, we it's got a, the. It, it's just the, the personalities of the soul, the character traits of the soul. I know, just <laughs> okay, so just to recap. In a nutshell, the soul is broken down into two parts, how I think, how I feel. Intellect, emotions. Intellect has chachma, bina, wisdom, inquiry, bina, understanding. Those two together will produce emotions, feelings. Okay, we skipped one. Which one did we skip? Da'at. Da'at, right? Knowledge. Where does da'at come in? What does knowledge do? If chachma is, is the father, bina is the mother, what is da'at? The child. The child are the feelings that are produced. Mm -hmm. So where does da'at come in? So you have, you have Chachma, you have an idea. Yes. You take that idea, you, you think about it, that's Bina, you understand it. And now you start to emotionally appreciate it. So you start thinking, God. God is a theoretical concept. You start thinking about your relationship with God, the, how vast God is, how relevant He is. Now you start feeling passionate about Him. Right? So that was Chachma and Bina coming together, producing feelings. Where did Das come in? The heart. So what Das would be, it says in the Zohar, actually, that Da'as, knowledge, translated as knowledge, it's not a good translation, we'll soon see why. Da'as, the Zohar refers to it as the key to the heart. The key to the heart? The key to the heart. Okay. If Chachma is the father, Bina is the mother, and the, and, the, and the feelings are children, Da'as, knowledge, would be the midwife, which enable those children to bring it out, to, to, be, to be born in a healthy way. In order that our feelings are, are going to actually last, we need what's called da'as, knowledge. Knowledge is not a good translation, and I'm going to wean us off these translations. I'm going to try to stick to the Hebrew. I'll go back and forth, but eventually we should not re re um, rely on these translations because they won't do justice. He gave a good translation. He referred to da'as as recognition. A much better translation. Knowledge does not mean the collection of information, at least in this context. Knowledge means my relationship to the information. It's not the collection of information. It's my relationship to the information. Knowledge, da'as, in the biblical context means not to know but to connect. When Adam and Eve were intimate with one another, and Eve conceived from this act of intimacy and gave birth to her children, the Torah doesn't say Adam and Eve were intimate with one another. It says Adam knew Eve. Adam yoda es chava. Adam knew Eve. What does that mean? He knew her. It wasn't intellectually. He knew about her. He knew what she likes to eat and what she. He connected with her. He was intimate with her. So daas is not just to know. It's to be intimate. To be intimately familiar. In other words. Without Das, God is a concept, and I might be inspired by the concept, but how long is that inspiration going to last if it's not really relevant to me? Not very long. If my, right, I'm not really going to have genuine feelings for something I don't really care about. There was a rabbi, I forgot what his acronym stands for. He was known as the Rajabats. I think it was Rabbi Shmuel Horowitz. He was a personal teacher to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's father when he was a kid, uh, father-in-law, sorry, when he was a kid. His personal teacher was the Rashbats. 
and he was himself a big, he had a whole story how he came from a family and a community that was very much opposed to the Chabad Hasidic philosophy and the Tanya, and, and he started appreciating these things, and here's a whole story, but another, for another time. He gave an example to depict the idea of Das, knowledge or recognition, connecting to an idea. So you have a illiterate person, which wasn't so uncommon in his day, a person who couldn't read, gets a letter from his family, can't read it. So he brings it to someone else, can you read this letter for me? He reads him the letter, and he says, okay, what does the letter say? He says, your father died. Gets the shock of his life, he passes out, he faints. Now think about it. He heard from somebody that his father died, but this guy actually read it. Who will understand more the validity of the father's death? The one who read it. The one who read it, but who is more affected? The one who heard it. The one who heard it, which is ironic. Usually what you read is more meaningful than what you heard. Okay, I heard this or I, I saw it with my own eyes. I read it. What's the difference? Well, one, it, it's, a, it's personal. It's personal. That's das. Yeah. That's das. When it's personal, when what I'm meditating on is personal and relevant, it impacts the way I feel in a genuine way. Whereas if I just read it, but it doesn't really, it's not really, I'm just conveying information. It has nothing to do with me. That information is irrelevant, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be phased in the same way. The ability to be empathetic for someone else, by the way, that's das. The difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Empathy, <laughs> my friend. You met my friend David? I think I did. He's a character, a, f a funny person, great sense of humor. And he, he was served as a hospital, he's a social worker, and he served as a hospital chaplain for, for three years um, in, in Cedar sinai Medical Center. And I said, David, in your opinion, what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? <laughs> and he says, sympathy is, you have a guy fell into a pit, he's in a pit. Empathy is, you'll go in there and see how he feels. <laughs> sympathy is, oh, I'm sorry. Can I throw you a sandwich? <laughs> it's not nice, but it's funny. <laughs> it's just a sense of your point. Anyways, the idea to feel empathetic, to not just feel bad for somebody, but actually be in their shoes, that's das. That it's actually relevant to me, that I actually care. It's interesting how this plays out in halacha, in Jewish law. Children are not, referred, are, are, are not what's called ba'ar das, or ben da'as having what's called knowledge. In other words, a child may know everything about fasting on Yom Kippur, yet they don't have the, 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 the obligation to, and were they to not fast on Yom Kippur, there would be no consequences. Because even though they understand, they're not gonna really get it in the same way that an adult would, who is after the age of Barabat Mitzvah. When a person gets their das, their ability to, a level of maturity, where they could empathize, where they could understand, and really connect to. Das means not just collecting the information, but actually connecting to the information. A child can't do that in the same way as an adult could. That's why a child doesn't have the same obligations as, a, as an adult.
both in life but even in, within the realm of, of Jewish law. Let's take a look in our sheets here. Text 2. Or do not, sorry, text 1. Text 1 is from a book called Lukute Torah. It's another auth, uh, book authored by the author, by the Altsherebbe, the author of Tanya. And he says over there, the level of da'as, knowledge, is not just knowledge, but rather the concept of da'as is to feel and be emotionally aware as if you were to visually see the idea literally. Not just to understand, but to literally, it's so relevant to me, it's as if I saw it. And let's take a look at the verse, let's source it in the Torah. Text 2 from Deuteronomy. You'll recognize this from the last line of, uh, from the Aleinu paragraph that we say after davening. And you shall know this day, and you shall take it to your heart, that the Lord, He is God in heaven above, and upon the earth below, there is none else. You shall know in this day, and you should take it to your heart. How do you take it to your heart? Not by understanding, by knowing, by making God relevant. Not just understanding that there's a God, but, but that God is actually relevant, meaningful, personal. What happens if we lack das? I, I still might feel. If I understand something, I'm going to feel. Right? <coughs> I'm sure the guy who read the letter to the illiterate person that his father passed away, I'm sure he felt. But I'm sure he was able to sleep that night as well, right? There will be feelings without das. If something's not relevant to me, I'll still conceptually feel, but I'm not going to actually... It's not going to hit me the same way. It's not going to strike me, strike me the same way. Inside your soul as part of your... Exactly. It won't be as deep. Yeah. It won't be as deep. And that's why he says over here... Um, let's look at the bottom paragraph on page 62. Because even if you appreciate the greatness of the blessed infinite light, even if you appreciate the greatness of God with your Chachman Bina, so the idea is clear to you, you understand the idea, unless you bond your das, focusing your mind with intensity and consistency, unless it's connect, something you connect to, unless it's relevant, you will not produce genuine love and reverence in your soul. You may feel love and, 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 and reverence, but it's not going to be genuine, it's not going to be lasting, but only, it's going to be more uh, delusional love, imaginative love, if you will. I'll feel like I'm in love, but if I don't actually know, I, we could apply this to interpersonal relationships as well. If I'm passionate about somebody, but I don't know them, which means I don't make an effort to connect to them, what's my passion based on? It's not going to last. Just like with my relationship with God, if I'm passionate about Him, but He's not relevant to me, I don't make Him relevant. And it's the same thing with every relationship. If I don't have das in my relationship, intimacy in my relationship, connection in my relationship, how is that relationship going to be sustainable? It's interesting to note, Judy, you mentioned the idea of das. It's not ingrained in the soul in the same way without das. It's just a, a theory. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago when I was working as a hospital chaplain in Cedar sinai so I was living in Tarzana, and I would drive all the way to the Beverly Hills area, and we all know L.A. traffic, no fun. And you get a lot of time to think. And I was just... 
I had a lot of these ideas on my mind. What is faith in God? What is trust in God? What do all these things mean? I emailed my rabbi. In your opinion, what does faith in God mean? What does trust in God mean? What are the differences between the two? Because I was having trouble understanding and, 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 and compartmentalizing. He sends back a whole long email a week later that he typed up, which was really nice of him because he's a busy guy. And he says one line that sticks out till today. He says, if you believe that God merely exists, that's not faith. That's philosophy. That's an idea. But it's not going to be relevant. Faith means that God doesn't exist, but God is relevant. That's the idea of Das. Das takes philosophy, theory, and it now becomes actual instruction. It becomes something relevant and personal. God is not philosophy. God is actual. It's real. It says in the Talmud that you could have somebody standing at the entrance of a house, a thief, ready to break in. And he says, God, please help me be successful. <laughs> How does that work? If he believes in God, why is he breaking into the house? And if he doesn't believe in God, why is he praying to God? In the back of his mind, he believes in God, but it's a theory, it's a concept, it's a philosophy, it's not real to him. And that's why the, the commentaries, the biblical commentaries point out that there's no mitzvah to believe in God. If you look in the beginning of Maimonides in his halachic compendium where he discusses Jewish law, the very first mitzvah, he says, it's not to believe in God. It's to know God. That's das, to be intimately familiar with God so it actually impacts the way we feel. But not just to merely believe in Him. Because... That's just philosophy. The idea is taking these concepts and making it real. Well, let's say, um, for instance, all right, we have DOS, and then it's, it's Shabbos services, and we want to do a pray for those that need healing. But they don't have that. We're, we're doing it for them opposed to them having the feeling that, you know, I just want to get better. I want to get better, but they don't believe in God. I mean, is it, is, you know, your feelings and your feelings of DAS going to really help somebody that doesn't have those feelings? It can't hurt. <laughs> it, will, it will definitely... So, so the, the point is, if I just think about God, but he's not real, and if I think about anything, but that concept is not relevant to me, it won't impact me the same way. Mm -hmm. um, if I want my relationship with anybody, but with God to be passionate, there has to be some sort of intimacy there. Relevance, personal relevance. Um, that will definitely impact our prayers. If our prayers are infused with more passion, genuine passion because it's something we relate to on a personal level it definitely will impact our ability uh, the success of our prayers in, in Hasidic tradition and the truth is this tradition predates Hasidicism it's brought in, in Halacha and the Talmud the idea of taking a few moments before davening before prayer and before beginning the formal structure of prayer a few minutes to think about the relevance of God to you, to whom you're about to pray to. 
I'm about to pray to God, but before reading the book, let me think about the presence of God whom I'm about to pray to. And think about how relevant he is to me. The more I think about that, the more I'll feel, the more genuine my prayers will be, the more genuine my passion will be. But that's all with intimacy. Passion is sustainable with intimacy. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's my story and I'm sticking to it.